0: section 18 of micrographia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org micrographia by robert hook observation 13 of the small diamonds or sparks in flints chancing to break a flint stone in pieces, I found within it a certain cavity all crusted over with a very pretty candied substance, some of the parts of which, upon changing the posture of the stone in respect of the incident light, exhibited a number of small but very vivid reflections, and having made use of my microscope, i could perceive the whole surface of that cavity to be all beset with a multitude of little crystalline or adamantine bodies so curiously shaped that it afforded a not unpleasing object having considered those vivid repercussions of light i found them to be made partly from the plain external surface of these regularly figured bodies which afforded the vivid reflections and partly to be made from within the somewhat pellucid body that is from some surface of the body opposite to that superficies of it which was next the eye and because these bodies were so small that i could not well come to make experiments and examinations of them i provided me several small sterei of crystals or diamants found in great quantities in cornwall and are therefore commonly called cornish diamants these being very pellucid and growing in a hollow cavity of a rock as i have been several times informed by those that have observed them much after the same manner as these do in the flint and having besides their outward surface very regularly shaped retaining very near the same figures with some of those i observed in the other became a convenient help to me for the examination of the proprieties of those kinds of bodies and first for the reflections in these i found it very observable that the brightest reflections of light proceeded from within the pellucid body, that is, that the rays admitted through the pellucid substance in their getting out on the opposite side, were by the contiguous and strong reflecting surface of the air very vividly reflected, so that more rays were reflected to the eye by this surface, though the ray in entering and getting out of the crystal had suffered a double refraction than there were from the outward surface of the glass where the ray had suffered no reflection at all and that this was the surface of the air that gave so vivid a repercussion i tried by this means i sunk half of a sterii in water so that only water was contiguous to the under surface and then the internal reflection was so exceedingly faint that it was scarce discernible again i tried to alter this vivid reflection by keeping off the air with a body not fluid and that was by rubbing and holding my finger very hard against the under surface so as in many places the pulp of my finger did touch the glass without any interjacent air between then observing the reflection i found that wheresoever my finger or skin touched the surface from that part there was no reflection but in the little furrows or creases of my skin where there remained little small lines of air from them was returned a very vivid reflection as before i tried further by making the surface of very pure quicksilver to be contiguous to the under-surface of this pellucid body and then the reflection from that was so exceedingly more vivid than from the air as the reflection from air was then the reflection from the water from all which trials i plainly saw that the strong reflecting air was the cause of this phenomenon and this agrees very well with the hypothesis of light and pellucid bodies which i have mentioned in the description of muscovy glass for we there suppose glass to be a medium which does less resist the pulse of light and consequently that most of the rays incident on it enter into it and are refracted towards the perpendicular whereas the air i suppose to be a body that does more resist it and consequently more are repercussed than do enter it the same kind of trials have i made with crystalline glass with drops of fluid bodies and several other ways which do all seem to agree very exactly with this theory so that from this principle well established We may deduce several corollaries not unworthy observation and the first is that it plainly appears by this that the production of the rainbow is as much to be ascribed to the reflection of the concave surface of the air as to the refraction of the globular drops this will be evidently manifest by these experiments if you foliate that part of a glass ball, that is, to reflect an iris, as in the Cartesian experiment above mentioned, the reflections will be abundantly more strong and the colours more vivid, and if that part of the surface be touched with water, scarce affords any sensible colour at all. Next we learn the great reason why pellucid bodies beaten small are white is from the multitude of reflections not from the particles of the body but from the contiguous surface of the air and this is evidently manifested by filling the interstitia of those powdered bodies with water whereby their whiteness presently disappears from the same reason proceeds the whiteness of many kinds of sands which in the microscope appear to be made up of a multitude of little pellucid bodies whose brightest reflections may by the microscope be plainly perceived to come from their internal surfaces and much of the whiteness of it may be destroyed by the effusion of fair water to be contiguous to those surfaces the whiteness also of froth is for the most part to be ascribed to the reflection of the light from the surface of the air within the bubbles and very little to the reflection from the surface of the water itself for this last reflection does not return a quarter so many rays as that which is made from the surface of the air as i have certainly found by a multitude of observations and experiments the whiteness of linen paper silk etc proceeds much from the same reason as the microscope will easily discover for the paper is made up of an abundance of pellucid bodies which afford a very plentiful reflection from within that is from the concave surface of the air contiguous to its component particles wherefore by the effusion of water oil tallow turpentine etc all those reflections are made more faint and the beams of light are suffered to traject and run through the paper more freely hence further we may learn the reason of the whiteness of many bodies and by what means they may be in part made pellucid as white marble for instance for this body is composed of a pellucid body exceedingly flawed that is there are abundance of thin and very fine cracks or chinks amongst the multitude of particles of the body that contain in them small parcels of air which do so repercuss and drive back the penetrating beams that they cannot enter very deep within that body which the microscope does plainly inform us to be made up of a congeries of pellucid particles and i further found it somewhat more evidently by some attempts i made towards the making transparent marble for by heating the stone a little and baking it in oil turpentine oil of turpentine etc i found that i was able to see much deeper into the body of marble than before and one trial which was not with an unctuous substance succeeded better than the rest of which when i have a better opportunity i shall make further trial this also gives us a probable reason of the so much admired phenomena of the oculus mundi an oval stone which commonly looks like white alabaster but being laid a certain time in water it grows pellucid and transparent and being suffered to lie again dry it by degrees loses that transparency and becomes white as before for the stone, being of a hollow, spongy nature, has in the first and last of these appearances all those pores filled with the obtunding and reflecting air, whereas in the second, all those pores are filled with a medium that has much the same refraction with the particles of the stone, and therefore those two being contiguous make as twere one continued medium of which more is said in the fifteenth observation there are a multitude of other phenomena that are produced from this same principle which as it has not been taken notice of by any yet that i know so i think upon more diligent observation will it not be found the least considerable but i have here only time to hint hypothesis and not to prosecute them so fully as I could wish, many of them having a vast extent in the production of a multitude of phenomena which have been by others either not attempted to be explained or else attributed to some other cause than what I have assigned and perhaps than the right, and therefore I shall leave this to the prosecution of such as have more leisure only before i leave it i must not preterm it to hint that by this principle multitudes of the phenomena of the air as about mists clouds meteors halos etc are most plainly and perhaps truly explicable multitudes also of the phenomena in coloured bodies as liquors etc are deducible from it and from this i shall proceed to a second considerable phenomenon which these diamants exhibit and that is the regularity of their figure which is a propriety not less general than the former it comprising within its extent all kinds of metals all kinds of minerals most precious stones all kinds of salts multitudes of earths and almost all kinds of fluid bodies and this is another propriety which though a little superficially taken notice of by some has not that i know been so much as attempted to be explicated by any this propriety of bodies as i think it the most worthy and next in order to be considered after the contemplation of the globular figure so have i long had a desire as well as a determination to have prosecuted it if i had had an opportunity having long since proposed to myself the method of my inquiry therein it containing all the allurements that i think any inquiry is capable of for first i take it to proceed from the most simple principle that any kind of form can come from next the globular, which was therefore the first i set upon and what i have therein performed i leave the judicious reader to determine for as that form proceeded from a propriety of fluid bodies which i have called congruity or incongruity so i think had i time and opportunity i could make probable that all these regular figures that are so conspicuously various and curious and do so adorn and beautify such multitudes of bodies as i have above hinted arise only from three or four several positions or postures of globular particles and those the most plain obvious and necessary conjunctions of such figured particles that are possible so that supposing such and such plain and obvious causes concurring the coagulating particles must necessarily compose a body of such a determinate regular figure and no other and this with as much necessity and obviousness as a fluid body encompassed with a heterogeneous fluid must be protruded into a spherule or globe and this i have ad oculum demonstrated with a company of bullets and some few other very simple bodies so that there was not any regular figure which i have hitherto met withal of any of those bodies that i have above named that i could not with the composition of bullets or globules and one or two other bodies imitate even almost by shaking them together and thus for instance we may find that the globular bullets will of themselves if put on an inclining plane so that they may run together naturally run into a triangular order composing all the variety of figures that can be imagined to be made out of equilateral triangles and such will you find upon trial all the surfaces of alum to be composed of for three bullets lying on a plane as close to one another as they can compose an equilateral triangular form as in a in the seventh scheme if a fourth be joined to them on either side as closely as it can they compose the most regular rhombus consisting of two equilateral triangles as b if a fifth be joined to them on either side in as close a position as it can which is the propriety of the texture it makes a trapezium or four-sided figure Two of whole angles are 120, and twenty and two sixty degrees as C. If a sixth be added, as before, either it makes an equilateral triangle, as D, or a rhomboid, as E, or an hexangular figure, as F, which is composed of two primary ROMs. If a seventh be added, it makes either an equilateral hexagonal figure as g or some kind of six-sided figure as h or i and though there be never so many placed together they may be ranged into some of these lately mentioned figures all the angles of which will be either sixty degrees or one hundred and twenty as the figure k which is an equiangular hexagonal figure is compounded of twelve globules or may be of twenty five or twenty seven or thirty six or forty two etc and by these kinds of texture or position of globular bodies may you find out all the variety of regular shapes into which the smooth surfaces of alum are formed as upon examination any one may easily find nor does it hold only in superficies but in solidity also for it's obvious that a fourth globule laid upon the third in this texture composes a regular tetrahedron which is a very usual figure of the crystals of alum and to hasten there is no one figure into which alum is observed to be crystallized, but may by this texture of globules be imitated, and by no other. I could instance also in the figure of sea-salt and sal-gem that it is composed of a texture of globules placed in a cubical form as L, and that all the figures of those salts May be imitated by this texture of globules and by no other whatsoever and that the forms of vitriol and of saltpetre as also of crystal hoarfrost etc are compounded of these two textures but modulated by certain proprieties but i have not here time to insist upon as i have not neither to shew by what means globules come to be thus context and what those globules are and many other particulars requisite to a full and intelligible explication of this propriety of bodies nor have i hitherto found indeed an opportunity of prosecuting the inquiry so far as i designed nor do i know when i may it requiring abundance of time and a great deal of assistance to go through with what i designed the model of which was this first to get as exact and full a collection as i could of all the differing kinds of geometrical figured bodies some three or four bodies of each kind secondly with them to get as exact a history as possibly i could learn of their places of generation or finding and to inquire after as many circumstances that tended to the illustrating of this inquiry as possibly i could observe thirdly to make as many trials as upon experience i could find requisite in dissolutions and coagulations of several crystallizing salts for the needful instruction and information in this inquiry fourthly to make several trials on divers other bodies as metals minerals and stones by dissolving them in several menstruums and crystallizing them to see what figures would arise from those several compositums Fifthly, to make compositions and coagulations of several salts together into the same mass, to observe of what figure the product of them would be, and in all to note as many circumstances as I should judge conducive to my enquiry. Sixthly, to inquire the closeness or rarity of the texture of these bodies by examining their gravity and their refraction etc seventhly to inquire particularly what operations the fire has upon several kinds of salts what changes it causes in their figures textures or energies eighthly to examine their manner of dissolution or acting upon those bodies dissoluble in them the texture of those bodies before and after the process and this for the history next for the solution to have examined by what and how many means such and such figures actions and effects could be produced possibly and lastly from all circumstances well weighed i should have endeavoured to have shewn which of them was most likely and if the informations by these inquiries would have borne it to have demonstrated which of them it must be and was but to proceed as i believe it next to the globular the most simple so do i in the second place judge it not less pleasant for that which makes an inquiry pleasant are first a noble inventum that promises to crown the successful endeavour and such must certainly the knowledge of the efficient and concurrent causes of all these curious geometrical figures be which has made the philosophers hitherto to conclude nature in these things to play the geometrician according to that saying of plato Oceon, yale madri or next a great variety of matter in the inquiry and here we meet with nothing less than the mathematics of nature having every day a new figure to contemplate or a variation of the same in another body which do afford us a third thing which will yet more sweeten the inquiry and that is a multitude of information we are not so much to grope in the dark as in most other inquiries where the inventum is great for having such a multitude of instances to compare and such easy ways of generating or compounding and of destroying the form as in the solution and crystallization of salts we cannot but learn plentiful information to proceed by and this will further appear from the universality of the principle which nature has made use of almost in all inanimate bodies and therefore as the contemplation of them all conduces to the knowledge of any one so from a scientifical knowledge of any one does follow the same of all and every one and fourthly for the usefulness of this knowledge when acquired certainly none can doubt that considers that it carries us a step forward into the labyrinth of nature in the right way towards the end we propose ourselves in all philosophical inquiries so that knowing what is the form of inanimate or mineral bodies we shall be the better able to proceed in our next inquiry after the forms of vegetative bodies and last of all of animate ones that seeming to be the higher step of natural knowledge that the mind of man is capable of end of section eighteen